stood just waiting in our old familiar place. The empty spot beside him where once I used to wait. To be filled with strength and wisdom for the matters of the day. Passed him by instead, but I clearly heard him say, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me, but how can you serve me in the spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of can I really care? My efforts have no meaning if your presence isn't there. But you'll provide the power if I take time to pray. I'll stay right here beside you so you'll never have to miss my time with you those moments together I need to be with you each day and it hurts me when you say you're too busy busy trying to serve me but how can you serve me if you speak Just a part of you, it's true. I miss my time with you. I miss my time with you. Our moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say. Too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how, how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of. my time with you.
Good morning. Little did I know when we were growing up, Jenny and I are cousins, and it's amazing how you, you look back in your life and you never know how you're going to grow up, you never know what you're going to do in life. Everybody wants to be either a firefighter, a police officer, an astronaut, or, or, or something, or a lawyer, right, <clears throat> doctor. But whatever it is, God seems to always have something different in store for us than we ever thought or imagined that we would be doing. But the Lord is so faithful, and we're thankful for what he's given to us, what he's done for us. And that's a beautiful song, because so many times we run off in life without spending that time, that quality time with the Lord. And then he misses it even more than we do. And he knows we need it. We need that prayer and that fellowship, that devotion, that time of being in his word every day because we're going to go out into a very defiled world and we need to carry the message of Christ and so we need to be clean and holy. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we pray that you will direct every word that is spoken today and that you are our God and our Savior and we pray that you will teach us what you'd have us to know today. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord. May your word go forth in power and touch lives. We pray that souls will be saved today. We pray that believers will be drawn closer to you. We pray that all of us will realize how great you are and how insignificant we are in comparison. And Lord, we just praise you and thank you and ask that you'll lead us now by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin with a story of a man named Carl Sagan. He was a famous scientist who popularized the naturalist viewpoint that teaches there is no God. And one of the consequences of his beliefs was that he actively committed to the cause of animal rights, refusing to use animals for medical testing. And such a stance like this, because he believed that humans were evolved from animals and that there could be no intrinsic difference between the two, animals and human beings. Parade Magazine back in those days quoted him as saying this, quote, I've tried to show how closely re related we are to other animals and how cruel it is to inflict pain on them. In 1994, Carl Sagan was diagnosed with a rare blood disease. His only hope of extending his life beyond just a few months was to have an experimental bone marrow transplant. Now, back in 94, it was experimental. Now, these things do happen a little more commonly. However, Sagan stood face to face with his own belief system. This potentially life-saving procedure had been developed by research on animals that kind that Sagan adamantly opposed. When faced with death, Sagan turned his back on his own religion, his own beliefs, and chose to have the procedure. He admitted that the decision was very difficult. But when faced with choosing life or death, he had to realize that man does have more worth than all the rest of creation. The scripture tells us that man is created in the image of God. Amen. You know, people put so much priority today on animals. Save the whales. Save this particular type of bird or this type of creature. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they put more of an emphasis on that than on the souls of people. I remember when Adel gave his message on the demoniac 
and he mentioned about the pigs, the swine, and how the demons went down into the swine and right down into the river and they all perished. And the people in that community were up in arms because they lost their livelihood of, of these pigs. They put pigs over people. We should never put pigs over people or animals or other creation over people. God created us in his image. We're special to him. And because of that, we're different than all the other animals. We didn't evolve from the animals. God specifically created Adam and Eve in his image. And that's where man comes from. The Bible is very clear on that. Well, today we're, the title of our message is, What is Man? It's a question that's found in the Bible in several places, in Job, in the Psalms. It's found also quoted in Hebrews. And it seems like a rhetorical question or a philosophical question, but what it really is is a theological question. Where did man come from? What is man? How did we get to this planet? What are we doing here? What is God's intention for us? And that's what we're going to look at today. And the answer to that question, what is man, will tell us what we need to do, what God wants us to do, and how he wants us to acknowledge him, yes, as our creator, but more than just our creator. He wants us to acknowledge him as our savior, the master and lord and king of our lives. Turn with me, if you will, and we'll see it on the screen up here, Psalm chapter 8. We're going to read Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. David was the, was the master psalmist. He spent a lot of time outdoors with the sheep, and he meditated on the Lord, and he meditated on what the Lord had given him. And so he writes here, he's so awestruck by the God of the universe, and he sees it from a completely wonderful perspective. Psalm 8 verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and that you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet." all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Today we're going to look at in our, in our message today, number one, God created man. We didn't evolve. There wasn't the Big Bang Theory that started it all and all of this. God specifically created everything we can see and even that which we cannot see, he created man. Secondly, God provided salvation for man because of sin. And third, God cares for man. He cares for us. He loves us with a tremendous love. Well, let's look first of all at God created man. David said, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have ordained. We can look up at night and see those stars. We see the planets and all that. 
And we're just seeing the very tip of it, that very outskirts. It goes way beyond, way out into space. And God has created this universe. And yet, of all his creation, as vast and wonderful it is, and all the animals he's created, and all the different creatures, man is special because there's no other creature ever created by God that is in God's image. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he has created us also as a triune being. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. The world turns it around. They call it body, soul, and spirit, but God turns it the right way. It's spirit first, then soul, then body. If you look over at Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 and 20 to 28, you can see the Creator and what He created and how beautiful and what God thinks about it, about His creation of man. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then verse 28, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. When God created everything that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and, there in, and also in Genesis chapter 2, he said, he, it says he it saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. But then, when God created man in his own image, as we see in this chapter later in verse 31, indeed it was very good. Because now, God had a being in man that he could have fellowship with, that he could walk with, that he could talk with. And that's what God did with Adam in the garden. It said, would God would come in the cool of the day and Adam would commune with him. They would walk together and it was beautiful. Not this Adam. <laughs> I always think about when we talk about Adam so much, Adam's going to think it's talking about him. In a sense, it is, because Adam is from Adam, right? You're dwelling from Adam just like all of us. And it's really amazing when we think about how God is the creator of all these things. Well, sometimes in life, we as human beings get very proud, don't we? I made it. I did it. I got this promotion. I got this job. I graduated from school. I graduated uh, as the head of the class. And we start taking credit for it for ourselves. A rather humorous story is told of Adam and Eve. Not this Adam, but Adam and Eve. And one day, Adam was uh, speaking there. Adam and Eve were talking, and Eve was getting restless and began to question Adam as to her commit his commitment to her. She inquired, Adam, do you still love me? How many wives say that to their husbands, right? Adam, do you still love me? Adam gave a great response that really only applies sometimes to him, but there's no one else but you, honey. <laughs> it might work for us, right? But for him, <laughs> he's the only one. Amazing. <clears throat> but after thinking over this encounter, Adam inquired of God as why he made Eve so beautiful. And God responded, so you would love her. Adam continued, and why did you make her so soft? God replied again, so you would love her. 
Adam pressed on and said, why did you make her so loving? And, Adam, and again, God replied, so you would love her. Finally, Adam says, and why did you make her so stupid, God? And God responded, so she would love you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I think Adam got himself into trouble on that one. But it's so true. We as human beings somehow think the universe revolves around us, and it doesn't. It really doesn't. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and his purpose and his plan for our lives, about his will. And so many times we think we know better than the Lord. We don't articulate that way to him, but sometimes we really live our lives like we think we have a better plan. And then when our plan falls in, crumbles all around us, then we call upon the Lord. Lord, you've got to help me out of this. And he said, well, I had a plan for you, but you went with your own plan. And so many times we have hurts and problems and trials because of what we have gotten ourselves into. In Psalm 103 and verse 14, we see that God knows us. He knows our DNA. He knows what's in us because he made us. And it says in Psalm 103 and verse 14, he remembers our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. Now, that's kind of humbling when you think about that. What's your origin as a man? What's your origin as, as a creature in this world? God reached down to the earth, to the dust, and from that dust, he created a man. Now, you think, wow, only God could do that. But it's humbling to think that's where we came from, dust. But God, in his infinite power and love, could take that dust and in a supernatural, all-powerful way, make a man. That only God can do. And he created man. And then he put Eve, he put Eve in Adam's life. But what he did was he took, he put Adam to sleep and he took a, a rib from him and made the woman. So he made the man and he made the woman. And he put Adam and Eve in the most beautiful place in all the world, in the paradise in the garden. And still, what did man do? They messed it up. And we often think if we were in Adam's place, or if we were in Eve's place, we wouldn't have done that, right? Wrong! We would have done the same thing, I think maybe even worse. Maybe we would have taken more than one apple. We'd say, let's gather up all of these apples from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, God is the creator, and he's, he's the one who loves us, and he's the one who brought about our beginning. Do you know that God knows everything about you? Everything. From the moment you were born to the present day and even before you were born, He knows you. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows your motives and attitudes and desires that we may look good on the outside and we may do certain things, but He knows why we're doing it. He knows everything. He counts the number of hairs on our head. He collects our tears in his bottle. He knows us so well, and yet still knowing us as well as he does and how sinful we are, he loves us. He still loves us and reaches out to us. Hundreds of years before David wrote these words, what is man, Job wrote something very similar and asked the same question in Job chapter 7 and verses 17 and 18. Here, Job writing says, What is man that you should exalt him, and that you should set your heart on him, and that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? Job realized, even in the midst of all his painful trials that he was going through, that God had made him, and God had a purpose, and he was trusting God, and he didn't 
go back on it. He went all the way through that trial. You know, God personally is responsible for you and I. Now, he's got angels to minister to us, and sometimes they come, and we, we know that angels are involved, but he personally attends to us. He personally cares for us. He's the great God of the universe, and that's such a fantastic thing, to think that the great creator of all things knows me, knows you, and wants the best for our lives. It's amazing. God is the creator, and he created us in his image. Secondly, not only did, is God the creator, but he's the savior. And God had a plan that when Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't take him by surprise. He had a plan. God had a plan. There's a hymn that we sing, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. God had a plan. He had a good plan, and that plan was to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down to this world to die for sinful human beings like us. Can you imagine? God made this beautiful earth and this beautiful creation, and then he looks down and sees what we have made a mess of it. We have made a mess of it. We have polluted it. We have corrupted it. We have brought evil into it, sin into it, crime into it, violence into it, all these things. And, and God is sad by that, but it doesn't take him by surprise. And he has a plan to save man, to save man from their sins, to save us. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That little word all includes you and I. It includes us. All have sinned. We've all sinned. Well, yeah, but my sin's not that bad. I only tell little white lies as if God sees colors in lies, right? Or I only cheated a little bit on that test. I mean, I didn't look at all the answers. I just looked at a few so that, you know, I'd get a better score. I can get into a better school, a better college, and so forth. No, sin is sin. Evil is evil. And God sees it the same. It's an abomination against him. And he sent the Lord Jesus to bear our sins, our punishment, in his own body. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sinned against God. We walked away from Him. We went our own way, did our own thing. And yet God's love never stops reaching out to man, never stops looking for people to be saved. God could have turned His back and said, That's it. They messed up. That's their choice. And he would have been righteous to do it. Let them go their way, and we would have ended up in hell. But God loves us too much. And that's why it says in John 3.16, the verse we can all quote. I think if I ask you how many know and memorize John 3.16, probably every hand would go up. For God so loved the world, that's you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has a plan for everybody to be saved. Will everybody be saved? No. Is everybody saved? No. It's a choice and a decision that we have to make. The devil says it's okay to make that decision, but make it tomorrow. Make it next week. Come back next week. The devil puts you into that situation where you put it off. Don't put it off. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ today. Accept his love and his forgiveness Accept him into your heart as your Lord and Savior, and you can be saved today, not sometime in the future. 
But the question is, why should God love us so much? I haven't been able to figure it out. I don't know if you've got an answer for it yourself. Why, God, why has God loved you so much? Why has he loved me so much? Why did he take that initiative to come down in the person of Jesus Christ and die for us, sinful creatures? Why did he do that? We can only explain it because of his great love. There's no other explanation because I look at myself, I look at my sin and how wretched I am, and I say, Lord, there's no reason why you should save me, no reason why you should love me and give me eternal life and have me spend eternity with you. No reason whatsoever. One day there was a couple, and their names were Jim and Betty, and they were enjoying the American dream. Jim had risen up in his company and climbed the corporate ladder to financial success, and one of his passions was sports cars, and he just bought this brand new MG convertible. I think of Mike, he's got his, his uh, little car, you know, the, the mini convertible. Sean's got a mini too, but not convertible, right? But my brother loves convertibles. Well, this man loved this car, and everybody in his life knew that Jim frowned upon anyone else driving that car. <laughs> Everyone else driving that car. Just, you just didn't do it. That was Jim's car, and Jim drove Jim's car. Well, one day when Jim was away on business, Betty threw caution to the wind and took a spin in the new car. Oh, boy. Bold, right? <clears throat> well, all of a sudden, a child darted out in the street, and she swerved not to hit the child, and she crashed that car, and she demolished it. Uh-oh. Shaken but unscratched, although the, cra the car was more than unscratched, it was destroyed. Betty looked up at the patrolman and who asked her, Ma'am, may I see your license and registration? She composed herself and opened the glove compartment and found a note with her name on it inside. It read, Dear Betty, if you're reading this, I assume that you've had a wreck. <laughs> <coughs> And I'm relieved that you're not injured. It's not my car I love, nor my life that I love. It's you that I love. Wow. I read that story and I thought, that's the way it is with the Lord. That's why the Lord Jesus says, I don't love my life. I love you. I'm going to lay down my life for you on the cross. I'm going to provide a way of salvation, a bridge to heaven through me, through my death on the cross, that all you have to do is believe in me. God loves us beyond anything that we can comprehend. We really can't comprehend how much he loves us. He can't love you any less than he loves you right now. He can't love you anymore. He loves you at the max right now. He loves me at the max. And he offers us that great life of eternal life and salvation, that great life. And all we have to do is take it. Receive that gift. As it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or do you just know that God created you? But when you accept Christ, you can know that he saved you. He has two purposes in life for man. One to be saved, and the other is to be created in his image. First he creates us, then he saves us. And then he says, I want you to glorify me. That was God's original plan and creation for Adam when he put him in the garden and Eve with him to glorify God. They messed it up. They chose sin over God. 
And now the Lord has come. He died on the cross to restore that relationship, to reconcile us to himself, to make us his own special child and children. That's what he wants to do. So God created us and God saved us. He gives us that opportunity to be saved. And thirdly, God cares for man. He really cares for man. You look at the world today and you see some pretty evil people out there, don't you? I mean, Adam told about that story in San Francisco, the hatred and, and strife going on. And there's people that commit crimes. And you wonder, how could they do it? It's not hard to figure out because we have that sin nature in us as well. And it's only by the grace of God that we're saved and that we don't sin in some of these horrific ways that we see around us. But God cares for us. He loves all his creation, but he has a special love for people. He really does. A special love for people. In 1 Peter 3, 5 and 7, Peter talks about the believers and reminds them about God's care for them when he says this, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for you. Now, for those who like the message version, here we go, Barb. <clears throat> the message version of, of this Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, Ed's going to put it up. And I like this because it really goes to show there is a contrast between God and us that is so amazing. And it says this, I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handsome sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings. Then I look at my micro life and micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look our way? And that's a very good question to ask. Why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look at us? Not only does God take a second look at us, he never takes his eyes off of us. And that is the blessing of it. You go wherever you go, God's eyes upon you. He's with you. He says, I've, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we can take comfort in that. He is such a great God, and yet we're so feeble, so fallible, so finite, and yet he loves us. And I can't figure it out. I really can't. But when you think about it, God provides for his people. He provided for the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. He gave them quail and he gave them manna to eat. He brought water from the rock. He fed them and clothed them so that their sandals didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out for all those 40 years. And then you see that God sent ravens to feed the prophet Elijah out in the wilderness. Elijah. And then we also see that God provided oil for the widow and for her sustenance, and it was such a blessing. But God provides for us. He really does. I think about Corey Tinboom. You remember that story, The Hiding Place? She was over in, in Europe there in Belgium, and they were taken prisoner by the Nazis, and she and her sister Betsy were in the same concentration camp and a number of others. There were Jews there, and there were Christians there, too, that helped the Jews and so forth, and many people lost their lives, over six million Jews. But it's amazing. But this lady went through so much in her life, and she appreciated what God had done for her. How can you ever imagine getting through something like that of being in a concentration camp? It was horrific, horrible. And yet God got her through it. And if he could get her through that, she felt he could get her through anything. But I like what she says about this. She says, when Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, 
He leads you through your whole life. And when Jesus leads you through your whole life, he brings you safely home. That's beautiful. I'll just say it one more time. When Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. We don't hold his hand to hold on. He holds us tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, he leads you through your whole life. When Jesus leads you through your whole life, he brings you safely home. The question is, what is man? What is man? Created in God's image. God loves us and provides for us and takes care of us. But there are some times in life where God doesn't answer our prayers right away. Or maybe he doesn't answer that prayer at all. And maybe some of the things we're going through in life may be a health issue that we're going to carry with us the rest of our life, a burden that we have to bear, a cross that we have to bear, a thorn that we have to bear. And so many times we can question, Lord, why didn't you take it away? Why didn't you answer this prayer? Why didn't you make my life different? But I like what it says in Habakkuk, the little book of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, chapter 3 and verses 17 to 19. This is one of my favorite portions in the Old Testament. It's so fantastic. And it says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be in the vines, though the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Yes, his grace is sufficient for us. We should never question him. We should never doubt him. Think about Abraham when God asked him to go offer up his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. Wouldn't that have been a time to say, why, Lord? Wouldn't that have been a time to question it? No, I'm not going to do it, Lord. You, you gave me Isaac. He's the son of the promise. No, this can't be right. I can't do that. He trusted God, knowing that God was going to take care of it. That Even if he did kill Isaac and offer him up, God would raise him from the dead. He had that kind of faith. That's why when you talk about faith, you talk about the faith of Abraham. Tremendous faith. And God's grace is so wonderful. And we have to realize that he knows what's best in our life. And when we're going through experiences, we just have to trust him every day of our lives. So in conclusion, let's remember that God is our creator. He created man. That's what makes man special. And as even as sinful as we are, and as many problems and issues that we have, and we all have them, God loves us. He created us in his own image. And then secondly, he's our savior. He gives us salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is accept him as our Lord and savior and be born again. And finally, we should remember that he cares for us. He's constantly watching over us, protecting us, leading us, providing for us. And he's so good. Yes, what is man? A special creature, created in God's image. Yes, marred and scarred by sin, but God didn't let that stop him from sending the Savior to die for us, to redeem us, to buy us back, to purchase us with his own blood and make us his own special treasure. Ed is now going to cue up a song by Casting Crowns. They're a great Christian group. And this song is entitled, Who Am I? And after we hear this song, Get the Kleenex out, but after you hear this song, then we'll close in prayer. Ed, if you will.
Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling, Lord you catch me when I'm falling.
Wow, wasn't that amazing? The Lord is so good. Let's close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you. What is man? We are your creatures, Lord. You created us out of love and in your own image. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. Why you would take the time with us, why you would look down with mercy and compassion and grace on us, we'll never know, Lord, except we know how loving you are. We thank you that you provided that way of salvation for each person. And we pray for anyone here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe they were planning to, maybe they were putting it off. May it be today, Lord, that they would accept you into their lives and be saved. And Lord, we pray for your people that you will bring comfort and joy in us knowing how much you love us, how much you care for us. You feel it when we hurt, Lord. You hurt with us. You provide for us and protect us and take care of us. Help us, Lord, never to doubt or question why you allow things in our lives, but to know that you're the one who has our best interests at heart. And we pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. Help us to go forth encouraged today by your great love and care and help us to answer that question, what is man? Yes, man is special to you. We're special to you. You know each one of us by name. You know all about us. You care for us. And we just pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.